Well, welcome to a Thursday edition of Texans All Access. Well, you're hearing my voice on Thursday, which probably means, well, it does mean that Mark Vandermeer's on vacation. But I am here, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. But our Thursday guest is here, and I can't tell you how excited I am. First of all, General John McClain is in the building. John, how are you doing? John, I'm doing great. It's great to be on with you. Well, I got to say this, and I've told you this in person, but I haven't really had a chance to talk to you about this on air. You get uh, you get an invitation into the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. You get in, inducted into the Hall of Fame. I just got to ask, when you got that information, when you found that out, what what are you thinking at that moment? Like, oh, my gosh, I'm in the Hall of Fame. What were your thoughts when you heard that you were going into the Hall of Fame? Um, there's only one group of media people that had ever been in the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. That was 14 years ago, and that was true icons of Texas journalism. That was uh, the four writers were Dan Jenkins, Mickey Herskowitz from Ooh. Houston, Blackie yep. Sherrod from Dallas, and Dave Campbell from Waco. And the four broadcasters were Vern Lundquist, Kern Tips, the late Kern Tips, the late Frank Fallon and Jack Dale, who was at Tech, did Texas Tech, Tech, Texas Tech for over forty years. Yeah. So those were the eight. We voted them in there, and we said we're never doing it again. We had to actually change the bylaws to do it, and uh, because Dave Campbell was our committee chairman, and he would never allow media to be in there because he said we report the news, we don't make it. Right. And one day he couldn't make our annual meeting where we go to the Hall of Fame in Waco the first Tuesday of every June to determine who the 20 modern era finalists are and who the 10 senior finalists are. And he had a funeral. He asked me if I'd chair that meeting. I said, yes, as soon as I got in there, I asked everybody, what do you guys think about us voting in a class of media? And we found out. They had to change the bylaws, but they could do it, and they did it, and then we changed it back. Campbell showed up later. Let's see, Dave's 93 now. So 14 years ago, he'd been 89. He comes in way later, and our meeting lasted hours longer because of that. Yeah. He came to see who was going to be the finalists, and when I told him what we'd done, he said, oh, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. It's been done. Well, we'll change it back. No. <laughs> We're not changing it back, and his wife was with him, and she whispered to me, he loves it. <laughs> so, we, great. John, we had that ceremony. The, the, the induction banquet was in conjunction with the Touchdown Club of Houston yep. at the uh, at the Gallery of Marriott, and it was mm-hmm. a great event. And, and we thought, okay, there's nobody on a plane with those eight. We'll never do it again. And so the Hall of Fame – told us a few months ago, we think it's time to do another class of media. And so I'm on the committee, and uh, and and I recommended there was a subcommittee of five or six of us, and I was on it, and I recommended from Houston, I recommended Gene Elston, yep. late Houston Post columnist Jack Gallagher, and then Milo Hamilton because Milo and Gene are in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yep. And then I recommended Kirk Bowles from Austin, Dan Cook from San Antonio, who's the late sports writer, broadcaster. And then I said Denny Freeman, longtime sports editor of AP out of Dallas, written books on the Cowboys. And Brad Sham, who's yep. been doing the Cowboys for 35 years. And yep. Randy Galloway, the longtime sports columnist, talk show host in Dallas and Fort Worth. 
And so I couldn't go to our meeting because the Texans made the coaches available. Oh, yeah, that's right. And I said, I can't be there. i got to be here helping Aaron Wilson get quotes from these coaches because we've got to write for HoustonChronicle.com and Texas Sports Nation throughout the dead period when the Texans are on vacation. So I couldn't go, and I kind of forgot about it. And we went in with a list of like 100 people because if you think about it, John, Think about the history of Texas sports yep. and all the writers and broadcasters who have, who have been from our state who have written and broadcast about our sports, whether yep. it's talk show, play-by-play. There's so many, and I didn't even think about being on that list. And then uh, Tuesday night, David Barron from the Chronicle and Melanie Hauser, who uh, – Used to be at the Houston Post. She now freelances for us in Texas Sports Authority. They're on the committee, and they called me. And I'd been walking. I was sitting on my patio, and I was soaking wet. Yeah. And they called and said, we need to tell you something off the record. I said, okay. <laughs> and because uh, you don't hear many media people <laughs> yeah, tell exactly. other media people off, off the, the record. record. Yeah. They said, well, we voted on eight more uh, journalists for the Hall of Fame. And I said, oh, I forgot about that. How'd it go? And they said, well, for you, it went really well because you're on it. I couldn't believe it. I was overwhelmed. And they told me, and I said, and they told me who the others were. Yeah. The next day, the broad, the writers were Randy Galloway, yep. who I talked about, uh, Shereen Williams from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, my best friend in the NFL. She's the first woman on the to be president of Pro Football Writers America, first woman on the Texas Sports Hall of Fame Selection Committee, first woman on the Pro Football Hall of Fame Selection Committee. The only thing I've ever known bad about her, she's an Aggie, but she's been she's been able to overcome that, yep. obviously. And uh and the other uh see me, Shereen Galloway and Denny Freeman, the A P sports yeah. editor. And the four broadcasters, Brad Sham, Eric Nadell, longtime broadcaster for the Rangers, and then the late Frank Gleber, who was the, did the Cowboys. I grew up in Waco listening and watching Frank Gleber. And uh the other one, uh Bill Mercer. Mm-hmm. So it, I'm thinking, okay, out of those eight, I'm the only one not from the Metroplex. And, oh, uh, wow. I didn't think about that. I would that. have fought like crazy. And we always, when we talked about doing another one, we said, well, we'll do that one in Dallas. Yeah. So uh, when we had our conference call, well, first of all, I went in and told, I told my wife, Carol, I said, I've just gotten the greatest honor I've ever received. And she said, what? And I said, I'm going to be in the second class of the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. And she knew about the first class she was there. And she right. said, well, that's not bigger than you going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2006. And I said, well, it is. And she said, why? I said, you're not from Texas. You wouldn't understand. <laughs> and then I'm I, sure walked, she took that well. I walked back out on the patio <laughs> and I sat down and I cried. I started thinking about my dad yeah. and how proud he would have been. And all growing up listening to the Southwest Conference games yeah. and Kern Tibbs and ba- fell in love with Baylor in 1960 when I went to a game as a Cub Scout. And I loved uh, the Cowboys in 60. And I liked the Oilers and then the Astros. I became a diehard Astro fan. And first game, Colt 45s played in 62. And I thought about growing up in Waco and reading Dave Campbell and and Blackie Sherrod, listening to Frank Fallon broadcast every Baylor game for decades. And I thought, 
wow, I can't, I couldn't believe it. I was going to be included in that group. And I just, my wife, Carol, came out and said, boy, you're sweating. You need to wipe your face. And I said, well, that's not sweat. I said, those are tears. And, and I was, I'm still overwhelmed. And the actual induction is going to be in Dallas in conjunction with the Cotton Bowl, either in October or November, because the Cotton Bowl, like takes. Houston Touchdown Club is yeah. a great organization, does a lot for charity, great marketing arm. And I know when I make my speech, they're going to want me off the dais because <laughs> all the other seven are going to be from the Metroplex, and they're going to want to hear them. But it is just an incredible honor, and you sent me the nicest text, and I really appreciate it. I've, I've tried to – I haven't even gotten back to all the people yet yeah. who, have, who, who emailed me or texted me or called me. And um, to think I'm going to be there. Dave Campbell asked me to to be his presenter here, and I was. Now, I can't ask him to be mine because he's 94 years old. (laughs) And he still gets around, and he'll be there. And so I've asked Tony Peterson, our longtime sports editor, managing editor, editor, Mm -hmm. the Chronicle, who's now the head of communications at SMU. And Tony got me hired in Waco, got me hired at the Chronicle, and he put me on the Oilers. And I told him, man, I made you look really good because you kept getting promotions. So I've asked him if he will present me, and he said yes. So I'm not exactly sure when it'll be, but I'm guessing I'll have. To, it won't be on a weekend because most, like Brad said, most of us still working. Yeah. So they said they do it on a Thursday, so I'll have to take off a day from the Texans. So, the, you hit. You said something that that struck me, and I, I got here when I was 11. Uh, in 1983, and I, I remember the first football game I ever saw here was Willow Ridge versus. Jeez, I was covering the, the Oilers for seven years when you got here at Lamont. <laughs> I, I saw Willow Ridge versus Bay City. I saw Thurman Thomas play against Hartley Dykes in the Astrodome, and I was like, I'm in a different world. I come from Wisconsin, and I'm like, I'm in a different world. When you when you said that the Texas aspect of it sort of hit you. When people outside the state of Texas, and maybe people outside the state of Texas don't ask you about this because they know you're in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but what is it about the Texas aspect that really struck you most? I mean, obviously you're from here, but when you said those names, when you said Frank Fowl's name, you said Brad Sham's name, and and you said uh, Blackie Sherrod, and I, and, you know, Mickey Herskowitz, you know, a name that when I got to Houston, you know, that was a guy that I, you know, I grew up reading, and I obviously read you when I was growing up um, covering covering Oilers, so. What is it about the Texas aspect of things that really kind of makes it that much special, that much more special? I guess just, you know, I've been I was born here. I've grown up here. I was born in Hillsborough, 30 miles from Waco. I grew up in Waco, and I started working. And, I you know, and I loved sports. Maybe some other Texans that, didn't, that don't love what I do. I haven't felt like really I worked. I had a lot of jobs. I worked for a brake manufacturer, a roofer. I was at a Mexican restaurant, and I got fired for stealing waitresses' tips. It was a buffet that lasted about a month. I've, I mowed yards starting when I was 14. I had a mower for for businesses that would pay me yeah. so I could save up for a sound system because I was a singer in a band, and I was so bad I'd turn the sound system so loud nobody could hear me. They'd hear the guitars and the drums. and So I, I grew up, and the whole time I was a diehard sports fan. And uh, and I and I, the Cowboys were terrible the first year. The Oilers were great. They have fell through it all over the place. 
So my dad used to put games on, NBC and CBS, yeah. and we'd watch both. And then I thought about, you know, Thanksgiving was always so special, watching the Lions play at Tiger Stadium yeah. before they ever got to the Silver Dome. And, and uh, But watching and my family, especially my dad being such a sports fan, playing sports from the time I was in Little League, I thought, John, for when I was 12 years old, and I got a call from my manager. I played for Shell Oil, and I'd made the all-star team. I thought life will never get better than this. Yeah. And I got my name in the paper for the first time because I drove in a run with a sacrifice fly and helped us win our first game. And I thought, you know, I seeing my name in the paper, I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. The family thought yeah. it was cool. But I never had any idea what I wanted to do. And I was too dumb to get into Baylor. So I went to McLennan Junior College in Waco, and I took all the hard classes that would transfer. Smartest thing I ever did. And in uh, all this time, I was a diehard sports fan. Since I got my car, we could come down here and watch the Astros. When I, one of the reasons I wanted to become a sports writer is uh, when I was a freshman in college at McLennan, uh, I was in a mass communications class. I told it was easy, and I was a terrible student took me an extra year to get out of high school and i just didn't care my wife my my mother said you can't remember anything that you learn in school but if you read a sport magazine or sports illustrated you can recite everything and i said well it's because i care about it and i used to buy the sporting news every wednesday ride my bike to a grocery and come back and close we lived in a two-bedroom one-bath house and my brother and I shared a room, and I'd go close that door, and I'd read the sporting news from cover to cover. And my mother would say, are you doing your homework, John Craig? I'd say, yes, ma'am. <laughs> and my brother knew he's five years younger. He better not open that door, or I was going to give him the Fritz von Erich iron claw and squeeze his temples. And so I would read everything. I would, st- When I had girlfriends, I would make them listen to Astros pregame, the game, and postgame. I lost a lot of girlfriends. That was in yep. the summers. And uh, my, we were really poor. My dad bring us to one Astros game a year, starting the first year for the Colt 45s. And I just loved Houston sports. And and to think, like, one of my first heroes was Larry Durker when he pitched against yeah. the Giants, and he's 17. And at the Houston Sports Awards Hall of Fame this week, I was talking to Larry for about 30 minutes, and we're going to lunch next Tuesday. And I told my brother, I said, I still get starstruck about not people that I cover, right? but people I grew up as a fan of them, like Larry Durker, like a lot of the Astros and the NFL, people I see at the Hall of Fame every year. I still get intimidated by a lot of them. Jim Brown walks up, my knees start shaking. <laughs> and... uh so it, it, to be in Texas my whole career, to work, start working for Dave Campbell at the Waco Tribune Arrow when I was a junior at Baylor, staying there three and a half years, and then coming down here in 76 to cover the original Arrows, I really don't think I've worked a day since I got fired for stealing the waitress's tips, making $1.60 <laughs> an hour, and then going on roofs. And getting sunburned and going to a brick manufacturer and mowing yards, that's work. Selling men's clothes at a at a at a department store and relying yep. on uh, 
customers, but that was work. I have not worked. I've been blessed. The Chronicle, Sports Radio 610, everybody, and all the other radio shows I do, it, I've just been so blessed. And it seems like now I've been doing this since 73 when I was hired full-time in Waco. And uh, it just to think that, that it's, it's all been in Texas just makes Texas. I'm all, This sounds terrible, John. I want Texas teams to win. Yeah. And I want A&M and Texas to lose to Baylor. And uh, growing up, but if A&M and Texas are playing out of state, I want them to win. My, yeah. my friends are anybody but Texas. Yeah. And I want the Cowboys to win. I want the the Spurs, and that's you know those are fighting words for Texas. Yeah. For Rockets fans, and and I want the Rangers to win. I'd love to see the Astros and the Rangers in a pennant race. Crank Ooh, up that rivalry. My gosh. And and so I'm a Texan, and I want what's best for our state. I want that what's best for our city first, and what's best for our state second. Well, as Riggins and his brother once said, Texas forever. And if you just went, who's Riggins? Oh, I don't know if you and I can be friends. Friday Night Lights television show, Riggins, one of the best characters ever, playing high school football in Texas. Speaking of high school football, we get back. John discusses meeting a Texas legend next on Texans All Access. Welcome back to our Thursday night edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. John and John Show. John Harris, John McClain with you. By the way, when you said that about stealing tips, I, I, I bet we could get people on here on radio to discuss their – everybody's had a moment like that. Mine was stealing a Christmas tree from Kroger. So we've all, we all have one of those. Did you get caught? No, it was actually it was Christmas Eve, and it was my senior year, and we on my football team, the Market Holiday, we had gotten we got pretty far into playoffs, and so we didn't finish the season. We had jumped right into basketball when we were done, and so it was just looked up twenty first, twenty fourth, and we're like, we don't have a tree. We went to Kroger and had one tree sitting outside. It was still a good one, <laughs> and my my buddy Corey's like, look, I was like, no, I'm going to pay for it. And he's like, no, 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 just, just, just come on. I'll pull up the car, throw it in. We'll go behind our high school, and then we'll sat in line for like two minutes. It's like, I can't believe I'm about to do this. Let's do it. So we did it, and we got away with it. So everybody's got some sort of a picadillo like that. I would, I would imagine. But uh, that, that was, that was mine. I'd like to hear others. I bet well, Mark's, my Mark's boy, got my some. My buzz boy career didn't last long, and I probably took like thirty tips back then. 25 or 30 cents and obviously i had no conscience because i didn't wait on the tables but the money was there it was change not dollar bills so i took it and they turned me in i got fired and i don't know what i did next i'd like to say well then i became a sports writer but it was a long time before i became a sports writer i gotta tell you a quick story when i was selling men's clothes at goldstein mcgill's department store in waco uh, one night this woman comes in and she's in a hurry right before we closed and she was looking at men's clothes and she was asking me questions. What, what was I, I was said, I was a freshman at McLennan junior college. And she said, what do you want to do? I said, I don't really know. I said, I kind of, I love sports. I've loved sports my, all my life. So what's your favorite? I said, I guess football, baseball, a close second. She said, you know a lot about them. I said, I know more football than anybody in Waco. She said, is that right? I said, yes, ma'am, I do. She said, well, you're a confident young man. I said, yes, I am. 
She said, I, look, here, would you hold these five for me, and I'm going to bring my husband let him look at these tomorrow. And I said, okay. So I held them for her, and then right about before closing, the next night at 9 o'clock, here she comes dragging at her husband. And you can tell he'd rather be anywhere but having a look at yeah. his shirts. And he'd rather be visiting a proctologist than having to do that. And he walks up. I bring the shirts, and she talks to me. She's, her husband's sitting there tapping his feet and his fingers like, okay, Reba, hurry up. Just get the, get the shirts you want. And she said, this is a nice young man I told you about. And he said, okay. And she said, uh, young man, she said, uh, what were you telling me about how much you knew more about football than my Waco? I said, yes, ma'am. And I, she said, uh, well, my husband knows a little about football. I said, is that right? I said, well, good. She said, uh, let me introduce you to my husband, Dave Campbell. <laughs> and I was like porky pig because my dad told me when I was like eight years old, he gives me the paper because yeah. I had told him I wanted to be a Baylor fan because I had watched Baylor beat Colorado on Cub Scout night when I was eight. And he said, you want to learn about Baylor? You want to learn about any other sports? You read Dave Campbell. And he didn't have his picture on there, just yeah. his name. So I would read, try to figure out what it meant and all. And then I, so that was when I was eight. And this would have been like I was eight, 19. So I had read almost every word he'd ever written. And then to sit here telling him I knew more <laughs> football than anybody at Waco. Thank goodness he never remembered. I told him that story and I made it, told it in speeches in Waco and yeah. which he was there. And uh, he claims he doesn't remember. But that that was a fact. And you talk about feel. I need to be one of those things. But, you know, do I want to get away on Southwest? Or at least yeah. I stayed at Holiday Inn Express. <laughs> that's a, that's a great or at least one. I had Geico. <laughs> but I had nothing. As But I was – I made sure to keep my mouth shut after that. When I, when I got here in 1983, I'll never forget going to the – we went to the grocery store. And I remember seeing Dave Campbell's Texas football. And at that point – all sports for me were – I mean, I loved all sports. Whatever sport was in season at that point, I was all about it. But I knew that we had moved to Texas because my dad wanted a coach where high school football was more important, and it was. It was more important than Wisconsin. And one of my dad's players was down in Alice, Texas, and convinced us to come down on a spring break. And it just so happened the last night we were there for spring break was when NC State beat Houston. And I remember watching that game in tears. And I was not even from Houston, but I just, you know, here we are in Texas and I'm watching, I'm cheering for Houston because I'm in Texas and I don't know much. I didn't really know much about Fly Slamma Jam. I had heard of them and I knew they were exciting to watch. But I just remember him saying, look, he's telling my dad, John, he's like, John, you have to come to Texas. You have to come to Texas. And so we do. We come to Texas basically sight unseen, had never been to Houston. And we go to the grocery store, and I see this magazine, and it's Dave Campbell's Texas football. And I'm like, well, I guess this is this will be one way to learn about you know football in Texas. And I sat there and just flipped page after page after page, and I went, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable. I mean, it had everything as somebody trying to learn about the different teams in the in the state of Texas. It was it was my Bible. I mean, I have every issue of Dave Campbell's Texas football from 1983. On and I mean it's 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 just it, and I moved to different places. I moved to Florida. I moved to North Carolina. I remember my wife saying to me one day, we were in Florida and I was contemplating whether I wanted to stay in coaching and what I wanted to do. And I said, you know, I think you know if I stay in Florida, I kind of want to 
I want to create like the Dave Campbell, you know, Texas football magazine in Florida. And the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, I just don't think it would work. I just think he was the right – that magazine and what he's done for it is the right piece. It's the right perfect publication for this state. But I don't know that it works. First one. I don't know that it works in other states. And I just thought about, you know, could you create that? And Florida seemed to make a lot of sense because high school football is big and obviously the college football scene is big. And the at that time the Jags were still kind of in their infancy a little bit. And I was like, I just don't know that you can do it. And it made me think about how big an undertaking that was to create that magazine about the state. of. And it was, to, to your point about seeing your name in the paper, I had seen my name in a paper locally, but I'll never forget in the high school section, they mentioned my name one time as a returning you know, player to watch for the Mark Consolidated for 1989 season. And I just remember that thinking that, it doesn't get better than this. Like, it doesn't get better than being in Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. And there have been thousands of players that have seen their name just in there for whatever reason. But the way that, that he has always done the college and the high school together and put that together, I mean, I just, I've always thought that has been genius. And I just don't know that you can replicate it anywhere. It's just I have loved that magazine, the fact that he is still – He's still with us to be able to produce that magazine each and every year. Is, I mean, it's it's fantastic. It's unbelievable what he's done. So, he, yeah, you may not at that point have known more about football than anybody else in Waco, but you definitely have gotten to that point and beyond. Now, when we get back, John discusses an assignment that Dave Campbell once gave him. He was introduced to a linebacker who eventually turned into a running back back in 1973. We'll also talk about the Texans. What's next? As we sit in the desert, as Mark would call it, what does John think about what happens with the power structure with the Texans? And looking forward to training camp. We'll do that next right here on Texans All Access. One final segment of Texans All Access on this Thursday evening from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. John Harris here, John McClain there. And John, you were just saying during the break that Dave Campbell once gave you an assignment when you were a young pup reporter. 1973, my first year there. And I'd read Texas football since first issue with Jack Cotton from Texas on the cover. Yeah. And um, so Dave comes up to me in the office and says, call everybody young man. I don't know if he knew my name. He said, young man, he said, would you like to write a story for the magazine? I'm like, <laughs> Texas football magazine? He said, yes. Do you have a problem with that? I said, no. No, I just learned to type. <laughs> and um uh, so he said, I want you to check out and do a story. He said there's a linebacker that uh, is was a great linebacker as a junior last year, and all these coaches are telling me he's moved to running back and he's going to be special. And I said, what's his name? He said, uh, Earl Campbell. I said, never oh. heard of him. He said, well, if all those coaches are right, what they're telling me, and these are Southwest Conference coaches and high school coaches from East Texas, He's got a chance to be special. So I wrote the first story, and Dave rewrote it. That's why he <laughs> gave it to me because he's going to rewrite it. But it's got my name on it, and he liked it so much he included it in his first his 25-year anniversary issue as one of the best stories. Yeah. It's got my name on it, but I didn't write it. And uh, so that's the first time I'd ever heard of Earl's name and I wish you could have been is about 15 20 years ago the Houston Touchdown Club has a touchdown of the year every year 
And I believe only two writers have been honored, Mickey Herskowitz and Dave Campbell. And when Dave came down, they invited back cover boys from Texas oh, Magazine wow. oh, to come man. talk. And there must have been like 30 of them showed up. And every one of them talked about how much it meant to see their story, their name in the magazine and yeah. also the anticipation of when it would come out. One player, I think it was Lloyd Wainscott, who went to Texas, told that Norm Boulos' family, who went to TCU, they're both down in Lamarck and Texas City, yeah. that one of them couldn't find an issue because others' parents had gotten up in the dark <laughs> and gone to like every store and bought all the copies. And listening to those guys from Andre Ware talking about yeah. being in Dickinson and then, of course, at U of H, and it was special. I talked to Clint Sterner about this when he was in Baytown growing up about what a big deal it was for him to yeah. be in Texas football magazine. And Dave has just written a book, and it's uh, it has a book, and it's the it's a greatest he's greatest stories from football in Texas. And then he's written like each one a new thing about it, and then run stories pictures of the stories it's just a fascinating book he told me the other day he's 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 looking to write another one i said dave you're 94 years old why don't you take it easy and he <laughs> likes doing f- football books yeah and uh that's probably taking it easy for him well that's one reason he's able to still drive although i wouldn't want to drive <laughs> with him but uh he is a fascinating character and I always told why don't you write something about you he was at guadalcanal mm-hmm. in world war Two, and write about you and all the coaches you've known, Frank Burles and, and Daryl Royal and all those guys, but he never wanted to spill any secrets. Yeah. They trusted him and talked to him off the record. We used to hear his office at the Tribune Herald phone would ring constantly. He might come in and say hello to us, and we're like God had walked in, and all of a sudden the phone would ring. He might try to come back. Phone would ring again. and uh, and And if he ever did, write the stories that he was told throughout the decades. <laughs> oh, man. Some of the ones he told us were pretty incredible, I think. But now I'm wondering, John, how many people out there don't even know what the Southwest Conference is. That's yeah. why at the Texas Sports Hall of Fame, we have a whole wing about the Southwest Conference. All the schools are represented. And I never get tired of going through there and watching highlights, listening to current tips, talk, broadcast all the games and all the things the schools have sent them. I would encourage anybody listening, if you love Texas football at any level, go to the Texas Sports Hall of Fame in Waco and be prepared to spend hours because you you will have a blast. How did Earl Campbell guy work out? I think he worked out pretty well. Yeah. You know, they went undefeated. He's not a great linebacker. Baylor hired his coach at John Tyler and uh, – Corky Nelson, his defensive coordinator under Grant Taft, who was going into his third year. And then, of course, he went to Austin, said yeah. Baylor finished second. And Corky helped Baylor beat Texas for the first time in 25 years and win the Southwest Conference for the first time in 50 years in yep. 1974 when I was a freshman. And I still think, think about all the great players that have come through our state, all the great running backs yeah. who have come through our state that there's never been a greater player than Earl Campbell. High school, 15-0 state championship, Heisman Trophy at UT, designated along with Davy Crockett and the Alamo as by our legislatures, a genuine Texas legend and, taking the, and then leading the league in rushing, being MVP with the Oilers, taking them to two championship games. Every time I see Earl at an event, 
there's so many people there who couldn't have been alive when he played. Yeah. Lined up to get his picture and his autograph. He is he is still to me the most iconic athlete in the history of our sport. Yeah. You think about the running backs from this state, just whether they played college here or not, Eric Dickerson, Earl Campbell, Billy Sims, LaDainian Tomlinson, Billy Sims. I mean, it's Warren McVay was. It's an amazing, it's an amazing list. It's an amazing list. Benson. Oh, yeah. Played with Eric Winston at mid league. Oh, Rodney Hampton. A lot of them left, like Hampton, Georgia. A lot of them left and went and made their mark at other schools. And that's one of the reasons it's so much fun reading the high school section, which David Barron from the Chronicle has edited Texas football mm-hmm. for over 30 years. Yeah. And David, that's one reason he knows so much about it is he's had to edit that for so long. There's no better historian than David Barron for games. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Warren McVeigh, who went to U of H. And, and then a, a lot of those players during segregation. Yeah were incredible players, but they had to stay in the black high schools, couldn't play the white high schools. Yep. And it, uh, you know, Doak Walker going farther back. Uh, and I just, Kyle wrote, well, he was a receiver running back. But it is, there can't be another state has running backs like we put out. Oh, I don't think there's any question about the running backs this state has put out. It's it's unbelievable. All right, John, let's transition into the Texans here. What does your gut tell you about what, you think the Texans will do in the in the short term and then in the long term what they want to do with the GM position here? I believe that uh, they will not have a general manager this season. I've been writing that since uh, since it came out that they were not pursuing Casario and the Patriots had dropped the tampering allegations. And so I believe, and a lot of people have gone, oh, my God, Bill O'Brien's in charge of personnel. I said, Brian Gain didn't sign or draft a player O'Brien didn't want. Right. Bill signed off on every player. Bill was heavily involved in scouting. So were his coaches. And so I believe Jack Easterby, uh, who was going with Josh McDaniels to Indianapolis for a bigger role, one reason he didn't stay in New England is he wanted to branch out. He'd been there all that time. And Bill Belichick had given him a lot of authority. He was in on personnel meetings. And uh, and McDaniel's obviously liked him to take him to Indy, so I think that Jack will handle the football ops for Bill, and uh, those two will work hand in hand. Chris Olson continued to do the cap and contracts. Jamie Roots, of course, administrative side, and the director of player personnel, Matt. How do you pronounce Matt? Bazergan. Bazergan. Matt Bazergan. He's he he knows O'Brien well. He's got a twenty-two person staff under him, right. and so they've got college and they got pro personnel guys, and and uh, I think they'll all work together. And Bill will have final say. And then if there's a dispute, as they did with Bob McNair, they'll go to Cal McNair. Right. Cal's been there for every meeting, everything since the get-go, and. Uh, I know it was hard for Cal, who who had to pull the trigger on Brian Gaines firing, and it make, he wanted to make it work, but when something had gotten to the point that it had, and there's a lot of responsibilities for a general manager, people don't real about realize about football operations. You yes. know, you got budgets, you got to hire, you got to fire, you got to be, you got medical, you got 
nutrition, strength rehab, equipment, all that comes under your jurisdiction. And you've got to learn to delegate. You've got to have good people under you. And they've got a good staff. You know, they've got a good coaching staff. They've got a lot of good people in scouting and personnel. And I think Cal will see how they work. If everything goes well and everybody works well together, they may not hire a general manager. Right. But everybody in New England says Nick Casario wants out for whatever reason, and he wants to come here. So maybe after next year's draft, he still comes here. Maybe Bill Belichick retires and he becomes a general manager Maybe and hires McDaniels. Maybe Belichick becomes a team president. So much can happen. You can't count yeah. on anything. Right now it's about the here and now and when everybody comes back from their vacation. That's going to be the power structure, and it'll, they'll all answer to Cal McNair. I think that's the most important aspect you said a lot of stuff there, but I think that's the most important aspect. That some somehow, and I, and I don't know why people have lost all of this. And maybe it's because Bob has, you know, had just I don't say just passed away, but in during the season last year, that Cal's in charge. Cal's been in charge. Cal's been, Cal's, exactly, and I Bob's think, health deteriorated so bad. I think the last major thing he did was hire, gain, extend O'Brien and Olson. And then he had to start battling cancer again. Right. And Cal's been here every step of the way. Right. You know, he and his dad, I interviewed Cal at the league meetings, wrote a long story. And one of the things he talked about was he and his dad, how they differed. Cal, Bob liked being out front. Right. You know, he didn't seek attention like Jerry Jones, but he didn't run from it. <laughs> yeah. And he was comf- comfortable addressing any situation. Cal's more of an idea guy, more guy to bounce off of. Every time there have been meetings, Cal's been there. Bob always consulted Cal before he did things. And he consulted Cal before they made those moves. They give Tyron Matthew, they, they okay, we want to sign this guy one year, $7 million. And McNair's have not let money stand in the way of right. doing what they are. They, are in, they want to be informed. And they want to make informed decisions. They want people who work well together. They're not going to all of a sudden under Cal McNair – start signing jerks, guys right. who've beaten right. up women. Some teams will sell their souls to the devil to try to win. The McNairs will never be about that. And I think I wrote that apple didn't fall far from the tree. It fell right next to it. And so Cal McNair didn't make a knee-jerk reaction on Brian Gain. He studied it. You know, the problem's been going on for a long time. He tried to see if they could make it work. He determined instead of trying to force it to work, better go ahead and pull the plug. Brian walked away three and a half years left on his contract. He'll be paid. He'll end up working in personnel for somebody because he did a good job of that. And so uh, I would rather see the Texans do this than say rush out and hire a personnel guy. I think it's important that the person they hire – has a has either knows Bill O'Brien very well or has worked with him, and uh, I think this is a good chance for O'Brien to spread his wings. John Lopez said, "Well, this puts more on his plate. Well, not on not at practice, not on games, right? And uh, and Bill's a hard worker. I think he loves more on his plate. So I can't wait to see how it works out. Well, I think to that end, it's when you say there's more on his plate." I don't think that he'll do any more or any less work than he had already been doing. So take, take for instance, the draft. He'll do the same amount of work, 
that he would have already done. I mean, he does a ton of work for the draft. It's just that now maybe the final decision for who's going to be drafted is just him. Maybe it's maybe it's him and, and others. I don't know. I don't know that there's going to be more on his plate specifically other than, okay, maybe a different decision. Maybe he's now going to be in charge of making some decisions that he wasn't in the past or he was a part of but what didn't have the final say. Well, I think maybe now he has the final ops. say. Football ops. Yeah. That Easter will come to him and say, okay, here's this, this, this. Right. What do you want to do about it? And he may, he'll say, okay, what do you think? And they'll run it by other people like right. Cal. And then Bill will say, all right, let's do it. Right. I think, as crazy as it sounds, I think with people that are now around Bill, I actually think there's there's less off his plate or there's more off his plate than, than on his plate. Yes, there might be some more key decisions and that kind of thing. But I think with Jack here, with Baz, who you talked about, James Lifford, those guys in personnel, I, I'm i not going to sit here and tell you, okay, this is the perfect structure because who knows what is the perfect structure for the Houston Texans because all 32 teams have got a different structure. and What works for one organization isn't going to work. What works in New England may not work here. What works in Atlanta may not work here. What works here may not work in Atlanta. So it, it varies, but I think with the people that are around Bill or with Bill – like you mentioned, Chris Olson, uh, Jack Easterby, Matt Bazigan, James Lifford, who's director of college scouting, with those people that are around, with this coaching staff, Tim Kelly now as offensive coordinator, I think what it does is it just transitions maybe the role of Bill O'Brien as you know, just head coach play caller into a much more uh, a, a different role as opposed to what he was doing last year to what he's doing now. I don't know that there's more on his plate I just think it's probably changed what's on his plate. I think he has definitely has more responsibility because yep. Bill's going to be the last word before it goes to Cal McNair right. if things need to go to Cal. Cal doesn't want to make all the decisions. No. That's why he hires them. And I told uh, the guys on Sports Radio 610, think Cal should, should do a news conference and face one of those inquisitions like Bill did. And I'm guessing Cal McNair, like most owners, don't do that. And I tell them, I said, most of them say to the coach, that's why I'm paying you the big bucks right. for you to get up there and face that. Right. And so we'll see. I think it's going to be fun to watch. One thing is, how do you judge it? You know, that's you can, a great point. It's, you want to judge it on wins and losses, but sometimes things can be working really smoothly and very well. But it takes some time to see the fruits of the labor on the right. field. And there's also teams that have general managers and head coach that determines who's coming and going as personnel. So just because right. the team's got a general manager doesn't mean he's calling the shots on personnel. With New Orleans being a good example, yeah. Sean Payton yep. gets everybody he wants there. And Seattle's the same Seattle way. Seattle with Pete Carroll. And so that can, be, that can be the thing here. The guy everybody's going to be watching besides Bill, of course, is Jack Easterby. Jack's gotten a lot of attention uh, since all this came down, and people learn more about him because if you Google Jack with his time in New England, everything was glowing. Yep. And uh, and people and knowing how much Belichick trusted him, and then how much McDaniel's wanted to take him with him, and Kraft. Even though I don't care, Kraft can't be that unhappy with him if he invited him back into his home for the ring ceremony exactly so i uh i'm not sure if the texans people ask me said well they're going to announce all this or they just going to kind of let it happen i said i don't have any idea how they're going to handle 
the official announcement if indeed that's what they do. Well, they'll wait until I'm on vacation on Friday for that to happen because for two straight weeks it was uh, for two straight Fridays. Right before I went on Sports Radio 610, both times. Yep. And uh, I said, I told them, if you're going to do it next week, do it on Thursday because I'll be gone Friday. <laughs> now they're all gone, so that's good. <laughs> exactly. John, appreciate your time. Thank you, my John, man. thank you very much. It was a lot of fun taking a trip down memory lane. No thank doubt. You thank so you so much. You got it. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And as always, go Texans.